The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 338 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is challenges for family caregivers caring at home for family members. Now, what I've learned from this show, Family Caregivers Unite, is that family caregivers too often face exhaustion physically, psychologically, and financially that family caregivers need information which is trustworthy, information which is understandable, and information which is actually useful and helpful to them. I've learned too that family caregivers need to talk with other family caregivers who are traveling the same road of family caregiving. And I've also learned that family caregivers need to get their voices heard so they get the respect, recognition, and resources they need and they deserve. All of which is why our topic, Challenges for Family Caregivers Caring at Home for Family Members, is so vitally important. Our guest is Shara Shirhani. Sara has a story herself. She was a graduate student in economics at a university, but had to take a break after her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And since then, she's been a family caregiver. She learned to be an advocate for her husband so she could effectively manage his treatment, which is what led her to advocacy work for patients and family caregivers. She wrote an article called An Untold Suffering in an attempt to give other family caregivers courage to talk about their problems and feelings. And her article was published in the Globe and Mail, one of Canada's national newspapers. Sarah believes in supporting local family caregivers' support groups and promoting self-advocacy for them. And she's now trying to change her field of study at university to health, health policy. So, Sarah, let's start by asking you, please, to tell us more about your life and career. Sarah? Uh, sure. First of all, thank you for having me. And uh, uh, so I am uh, actually an Iranian, uh, a permanent resident of Canada. I was born in a small city north of Iran in 1982 and grew up in Tehran. Um, I hold a bachelor's degree in banking management and a master's degree in economics. 
And in 2007, uh, my parents decided to move to Canada, but I decided to stay in Iran to finish my master's. I used to travel to Toronto to visit them and to study for TOEFL and GRA, to study English, and uh, to do volunteer works, to mainly to gain Canadian experience. Uh, and then uh, in 2010, I got married. And in 2011, when I was accepted um, in a graduate program at Ottawa University, I uh, moved to Ottawa and decided to stay in Canada. And then I applied for my husband to join me to become a permanent resident of Canada. And he joined me in 2012, April 2012. And it seemed that uh, we we're going to start this new life. Um, I was pursuing my dreams and he was pursuing his, his dreams until uh, he was diagnosed with cancer. And um, I had to put my life on hold to fight with him with cancer. Sarah, just one quick question to clarify something. When you say mm -hmm. you were in a graduate program, am mm -hmm. I right in saying you mean a PhD program? Yes, I was in a PhD program in economics. Yeah. Okay. Now, you mentioned your husband. So, that's the next question. Please tell us more, Sarah, about your experience as family caregiver for your husband. Sarah? Sure. So in 2012, April 2012, my husband arrived uh, in Toronto. He started his PhD, and I was doing my PhD in Ottawa. And, uh, like, we had this modern, small family. Like I said, I was pursuing my dreams. He was pursuing his dreams, and we were happy with that until... Five months later, uh, he was diagnosed with uh, oligodendroglioma, and we decided that it's better for me to quit my, uh, or to take a break from my studies and move to Toronto to help him with his treatment. Um, it was a challenge in because, first of all, I... I, like I was feeling guilty because I didn't know if I have the experience and if I can uh, provide him with enough and good care. And um, I was stressed out. And the other thing is, uh, it was that I actually felt that I lost my dream. So it was a life uh, transforming uh, challenge. It was a it was a overwhelming journey, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I didn't know that I have a name, which is a family caregiver, and I only realized that uh, five months ago. Sarah, I just want to clarify something about the cancer that affect, affected your mm -hmm. husband. Um, mm -hmm. If I understood you right, that's a brain tumor, brain yes, cancer. Is. Is, is that right? Uh, it's okay. uh, it's oligodendroglioma stage two, but it's a really big tumor. It's five by five by six centimeters. Oh, okay. Thank you for making that clear. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask you something a little bit different now. Please summarize for us what you're doing to support and advocate for family caregivers. What are you doing, Sarah? Um, so when I... When I moved to Toronto, um, my husband had a surgery, and uh, for four or five months, I was taking care of him. Um, and then I realized that I need to find a job. 
And I immediately thought, okay, I've been experiencing lots of problems with healthcare systems, uh, healthcare system in Canada, and I wanted to do something uh, or do whatever I'm good at, which is research on uh, health policy and healthcare systems. So I uh, found a job that gave me the opportunity to research on the issues around patients and around uh, health policy in Canada. I was putting together a conference for healthcare professionals on um, patient experience, and I got to know, uh, fortunately and lucky for me, um, many uh, good groups that were advocating on behalf of patients. So I started doing volunteer job uh, for a group uh, called Patients Canada, and then uh, Brain Tumor Foundation Canada invited me to become a member, and now I'm sitting on their patient advocacy group. And but I but I realized uh, when Patients Canada asked me to write my husband's story, I had a great deal of a struggle writing that piece. I I didn't like what I was writing, so I sat down with that of, of one of the patient's advisor, and she suggested that I should write about my struggle. And then I I've done I did some more research, and I found that okay, I'm a family caregiver, and I can advocate on my behalf and uh, on behalf of other family caregivers. So uh, I suggested to Patients Canada that we should do something uh, for family caregivers. We have started this um, working group for family caregivers, and they're helping me to put together my own support groups, uh, which is designed for family caregivers. To We're trying to have a safe place for them to talk about their feelings. And uh, in Brain Tumor Foundation Canada, I'm putting uh, together a report for the advocacy committee to see if uh, we can uh, step in and advocate on behalf of uh, family caregivers as well as uh, patients. Let me ask you this question about your experience of getting involved with these organizations and also Mm -hmm. your own experience. How new to these organizations and to other people you've dealt with is the idea of family caregivers and family caregiving? Sarah? Uh, The idea of family caregiver and caregiving? Yes. Uh, It's not new. Everybody knows about it, but it seems that we assume that family caregivers are there and they're going to do what they're supposed to do because uh, they love their family. So they know, they know that we need support, and they know that we're uh, doing a really hard job, but it's like, it's like a given. They're there, and they're going to help. But when it comes to the support that family caregivers need, sometimes, is this right, the support Mm -hmm. really isn't there and perhaps the organizations are inclined to assume that it's there when it really isn't. Is that right? Uh, Well, to me, it seems, and based on the research that I've done, it seems that we have support uh, groups, actually, but it's... um, Disease-oriented, so it's based on the disease. It's not about family caregivers. Uh, We're focusing mostly on how to sharpen the caregiving skills instead of talking about family caregivers' problems and issues. The other problem is that 
There are groups that are doing really good job for family caregivers and only family caregivers, but they're in silo. And uh, usually family caregivers, because they're really busy taking care of someone else, overwhelmed with the uh, responsibilities that they have, they don't have time to do research and find the support groups or any uh, kind of support that is out there in place for them. So my concern is, uh, has been always how we can get this information to them because it seems that nobody, when you are taking care of a patient, when you are a family caregiver, you don't have any idea. You don't know that you have rights. You don't know that you're entitled to get help, to take care of yourself. Because, for example, in my case, my husband was a cancer patient. and I was uh, thinking that nothing can, uh, like, with cancer, nothing is comparable with cancer. I'm depressed, I'm stressed out, but he has cancer. Right. Now, I'm going to stop you there because it's time for us to take the break. This mm-hmm. is where we, as I always say, Sarah, we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. <laughs> this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Sarah Shakani. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Ooh, Are you happy with just accepting and passing along what the media, politicians, and government are feeding you? Or are you positively sick of it? It's time to get the real facts and form your own decisions. It's time to awaken the sleeper within you. Each week, host Dr. Nick Castellano will uncover various viewpoints and topics designed to inform and present the truth. Today's masses are manipulated by media coverage, and we will not become sheeple. Tune in to Awaken the Sleeper, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. 
Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Sarah Shihani. Our topic is challenges for family caregivers caring at home for family members. Now, Sarah, I want us to talk about the challenges of family caregiving. You've mentioned some of them, but I want to go into more detail. So first of all, Sarah, what are the most challenging of the challenges that you experience as family caregiver for your husband? Sarah? Um, Well, the most difficult one was the stress. I was going through this, and still I'm going through this life-changing, overwhelming journey, like I said. I was fearing of losing my husband. I, uh, and uh, as I mentioned before, I had this fear that I'm not able to give my husband enough care. And then the other thing was, I thought I lost my dreams. I lost everything, and I never can change my life from this moment on. So I started uh, getting depressed. I had anxiety attacks, panic attacks, and uh, I developed asthma. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And everybody else, um, like my family physician and everybody else, knew that I'm going through this um, hard time. But they were looking uh, for another reason, for, for example, my asthma allergy or anything else. But I knew that it was because I was stressed out because of my husband, because of the situation that I was in. I felt that I'm a failure just because I wasn't able to continue my PhD. I felt that all of my friends my age are finishing their PhD. They're going to be very successful and I have no future. And at the same time, I had lots of problems communicating with my husband. Because our role changed. Like it was before it was husband and wife, two people that love each other. But from the moment that I became a caregiver, the role changed. And we didn't know how to play this new role. Uh, we didn't know how to communicate. He couldn't trust my judgment because I wasn't a healthcare professional. And um, healthcare professionals couldn't trust my judgment because I was not the patient. So I felt that I'm being ignored, and I felt like when my husband was diagnosed with cancer, he told me that that the journey will be really hard, and I can leave him, and he's not going to judge me, and he's not going to be mad at me if I do. And I said, no, I love you, and I'll be there with you in sickness and health. But it reached the point that I realized love can do much. I needed much more preparation and uh, this is something that should have been done by healthcare professionals, by people who knew about the journey. Now, I'm going to ask you, it's a similar question, Sarah, mm-hmm. but it's this. What are the most challenging of the challenges you experience as a family caregiver when you're dealing with the healthcare and social systems? Sarah? Um, so... I think the first one is uh, we as family caregivers or our uh, statements are being dismissed. I was reading this book called Illness by Harry Carroll, 
Pavi Carroll. Uh, she's a philosopher in England, and uh, she's talking about this uh, injustice, a wrong done to someone specifically in their capacity. And she's talking about this testimonial injustice, uh, which is um, when uh, something that causes a hearer to give a deflated level of credibility to speaker's word. And she's talking about this testimonial injustice that exists for patients, because patients' uh, uh, testimonies and statements are uh, often dismissed as irrelevant, emotional, confused. And immediately I thought, we have double injustice for uh, family caregivers. First of all, I'm not a healthcare professional, so my statement can uh, be dismissed as irrelevant or emotional. And second of all, I'm not the patient. I am not the source of pain. So it's like a double injustice. Nobody wants to hear my voice. We're talking about integrating the voice of patients into the system, but we're not talking about family caregivers. We don't see them uh, in the healthcare team as a, as a as an important part of the healthcare team for patients. Um, the the other thing is again stress, depression, anxiety, insomnia, feeling guilty. Um, we have 9 million uh, family caregivers in Canada, and I found out that half of them develop back pain and any sort of uh, stress-related disease, and nobody talks about it. Like, it's, uh, it's like not nobody talks about it. It's like there's nothing there to support us with this stress. But there, there have been studies out there showing that only six weeks of training, education, empowering family caregivers, just about, like, not fancy stuff, really simple um, techniques about controlling anxiety could prevent many things. In other words, six weeks of training could have prevented miasma. I am now a family caregiver and a patient. I am, a, I am a patient, and I'm taking care of a patient. This is not good for, if, if you look at it in a bigger picture, it's not going to be good for uh, Canada as a society and, and not as, as well as the economy right. at all. The other thing is that uh, we as caregivers have problems navigating the healthcare system. We are. Everybody expects us to do so, but we are not healthcare professionals. Most of us not healthcare professionals, and we have difficulties navigating through the system. And uh, it seems that, like, we usually dismiss the fact that the news of diagnosis as shocking and paralyzing for family caregivers, as well as patients. The only difference is that. Everybody expects us to toughen up and magically find our way out. What I'm just going to say to you is this, that Mm -hmm. I'm hearing you say, and I agree with you, that Mm -hmm. too often family caregivers have no place in the care system. For all the reasons you said, uh, they don't belong there, yet they carry so much of the burden. And as you've also just said, um, their health, their own health, suffers as a result. Now, I'm you. You 
are an immigrant to Canada. So I'm going to ask you a question directed at the immigrant communities. Please, Sarah, tell us what you see to be the most challenging of the challenges experienced by family caregivers in the immigrant communities. Sarah? Um, I think uh, the most challenging thing is that we don't know the system, especially for uh, those of us that's coming from Middle East or coming from uh, a private health background. In my country, we don't have a good system, and I don't like private health system, but we have this private system, and we are used to pay money and receive a physician's attention right away. And then I come here, and nobody talks about, and practically, and basically, nobody talks about the healthcare system in Canada. Everybody thinks that it's my responsibility to do it. But we are we are young. We assume that we're going to stay healthy, and um, given our background, for a simple headache, we ended up into an emergency room. We're costing the government money. Uh, and we don't get the care that we need. We often complain about, I know that, the, that we have this issue in Canada about waiting time, but uh, immigrants, like, uh, we do not, we go to, if we go to an emergency room for a flu, and when we wait five hours, we complain about the system. Be just because we don't know the system. And I think a simple um, training could help us. We receive lots of brochures and handouts when we land in Canada, nothing on healthcare. And I think it's wrong just because, not, uh, not just for immigrants, it's not good for Canadian economy uh, as well. The other thing is, uh, I think, well, if we are immigrants, our English is not good enough. And imagine me, came here in 2011. My husband was diagnosed in 2012, five months after his arrival. And we went to hospital and somebody was saying oligodendroglioma. I didn't know what that is. I didn't know how to pronounce it. Mm. And, for example, they <coughs> did not use the word cancer. They said brain tumor. And in my country... You say cancer, but it's cancer, uh, and you say tumor, but it's not. So we assume that everything is fine. We went home, and two, day, uh, two days later, I Googled, and I saw the word cancer. So I ended up going back to, back to that emergency room asking what's going on. The Google says it's cancer. You told me it's brain tumor. You never mentioned the word and used word cancer. All of that comes back, Sarah, to the need for communications and information in a way that addresses the problems, the challenges that you've identified. That is difficult to get people to recognize that you have any role. And I'm not talking to you personally when I say that, but that's the story I've heard very often. Um, People who are struggling with something that they don't understand, the name that is unfamiliar to them, the name of the condition and your very point that Mm -hmm. in your background, brain tumor was, this is the medical word, benign. Brain cancer was the other thing. Mm -hmm. It was malignant. It was going to kill you. Um, That's a cultural thing, meaning that we don't understand in, in Canada well enough how to communicate these fundamentally important points. 
Now, I'm going to just finish at that particular point because in the next segment, which is coming up, we're going to be talking and asking you to say what you would like to see done and what you would like to do yourself to deal with these kind of challenges you've been talking about. And I must say to you, you've made them very clear and you've got us all thinking. Anyway, we'll come back to that. So now let's take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Sarah Shikhani. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Sarah Shihani. Our topic is challenges for family caregivers, caring at home for family members. Sarah, now let's talk about the responses to those challenges that you would like to see and in particular the challenges you've been talking about. So first of all, Sarah, what are the most important responses you would like to see to the challenges you experience as family caregiver for your husband? Sarah? Well, like I said, I developed asthma, and I was diagnosed five months ago. And it takes, I think, uh, three, four months for them to uh, 
diagnosed me because I didn't have this wheezing sound that in, in my line that everybody expected. And I know that it's because of the stress. And um, it, it, it makes me sad when I think, like I said, only six weeks of training could have prevented that. So what I really like to see is more support in place to empower uh, family caregivers, to educate them, to be able to help themselves. Would you go so far as to say if the training were available, it would not only help family caregivers and their family members, but it would also help the healthcare system? Would you go that far? Yes, absolutely. Because, like I said, I, I'm now a patient. I am. I don't want to say that I'm a burden or I'm costing uh, the system, but as harsh as it sounds, I am. I'm costing the system. I was this healthy person. I went through this really hard time, and with a little bit of help, I could I could have been healthy. And taking care of someone else, which is uh, the cancer, was, a, was an unfortunate thing. We couldn't do anything about it, but for my asthma, we could have. Right. Now, my next question, um, you've already given me a part answer to it, but I want you to go on talking um, in detail about it. And the question is, what are the most important responses you would like to see to the challenges you experience as a family caregiver dealing with the healthcare and the social systems? You've already mentioned training. What else would you like um, to see? I have identified some gaps, and it's because I've been doing some research, and I'm putting, I was putting together this patient and family experience conference. One is, I've mentioned that before, but it's really important that we often dismiss the fact that the, the news of diagnosis, especially cancer, is shocking and paralyzing for family caregivers as well as patients. So I was a researcher and I was trained to, be, to do research very well. But when uh, I found out about my husband's cancer, it felt that I kind of lost the ability to do research. I didn't know where to look, how to look, uh, what to do, what to ask. I really didn't know, and I think this is the same for uh, most of the family caregivers. The other thing is that I'm glad that they're talking about family caregivers and how important that is for them to take care of themselves. And I'm glad that there are supports in place for us uh, in terms of taking care of uh, the patient. But again, we often dismiss uh, that. Imagine a family, a husband and wife and two children. The husband gets sick. The mother not only has to take care of herself and the patient, but there are two healthy children that she needs to take care of. We often forget that it's not just the patient that the family caregiver is taking care of, it's healthy people as well. My third point is that we, when we say family caregiver, we often think of a lady with gray hair. <clears throat> and that... Just assuming that, it means that we are, or, uh, we are, or the system is dismissing me because I'm young. I'm taking care of uh, a young uh, husband. Uh, we're dismissing the parents of sick children. We're dismissing of uh, family caregivers who are taking care of mental health uh, patients. So 
it's it's in 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 because of this uh, issue of aging population in Canada, it seems that now government and everybody is talking about caring about caregivers, but only in the senior care setting. And to me, it's not fair because it's uh, it's gonna come the time that it's going to be really late. Parents of sick children, to me, they have this really, really hard job. Mothers of sick children have the hardest job ever because in the definition of motherhood, they have to be selfless. Even though they feel guilty, even though they might have some thoughts that they don't want to have, there is no support for them. And now we're talking about caregivers, but only part of them. And to me, it's not fair. We shouldn't dismiss uh, other family caregivers just because uh, now they, um, we have this aging population and we are worried that this unpaid caregiver that we have no longer might be able to help us to have a sustainable healthcare system. And now, my, my, sorry. Carry on, carry on. Okay, so the other thing is, uh, I like to divide caregiving into two parts. One, caring, the other, after caring. I believe that my role as family caregiver does not end when uh, the patient is stable or the patient is fine or, God forbid, um, something happened, something sad happened. After caring is hard as well. And I don't believe that we have. We have some. Um, support group helping you with grieving uh, in terms of a uh, loss uh, or anything but it's not just about grieving it it it's grieving it's about me trying to continue my life the society and people around me my family needs to understand that they need to help me to get uh, back to where i were where i was or to help me to uh, build this new life and there is no support in place to do to help family caregivers to do that because we assume that the the role uh, ends when patient is stable or else. And no, the, the last thing that I would like to mention is that once again the information is out there. What what family caregivers are too busy to research and seek help. Right. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you about the experience of family caregivers in the immigrant communities. So what are the most important responses you would like to see to the challenges that family caregivers in the immigrant communities go through? Sarah? Uh, like I said, we need to have, like, education and training is the first thing that comes to my mind. But the other thing, in, in English, uh, like the, the the language barrier is something another thing, but I believe that we uh, tend to think that it's um, an immigrant's responsibility to find whatever is out there, and we um, dismiss the fact that the whole process is overwhelming as well. Like you are an immigrant, you need to find a job. You need to find a proper home for your family and your children. You need to learn English. There are so many things you're facing that you often deprioritize your health. 
until something bad happens, like cancer happens, and then you're overwhelmed. You are you are an immigrant. You don't know English. You don't know the system, and you're becoming a family caregiver, and it's a mess. And just to repeat back to you something you said, you also, as a family, have to earn your livings. You have to have jobs. You have to earn money to support yourselves. That's a problem exactly. too, isn't it? it? It is. It is. I had such a hard time to find a job. I was a master's. I had a master's degree. I was a PhD student in Canada. I found a job finally that paid me two, $12 an hour. And uh, that that was hard. Like that was, it crushed me because I thought, okay, I've been working so hard. Something bad happened that, and now I'm here. And like I said, I'm trying to change my life, my field of study to health policy. And it seems, and I know, and it's really good that in Canada we value volunteer jobs and we appreciate it. I do love this idea. But wherever I go, it seems that everybody wants to hear my story as a family caregiver, as a patient. But when I offer my research skills, everybody says, oh, no, we have our own researcher. So tell me how you're going to integrate the patient's voice and family caregiver's voice in uh, your policy and in your system only by listening to their stories. You have family caregivers that are willing to be trained to become patient and family navigators to help others. Why not use this uh, army uh, and um, and make it make a change? That's a very powerful statement and a very powerful argument. And I'm obviously keen now to hear what you have to say in segment four, because the questions are then how to bring all of this about. But before that, let's take the break. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Sarah Shehani. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Houston Real Estate Radio with Shannon Register. Tuesdays at 10 Eastern, 1 Pacific on Voice America's Variety Channel. As we have transitioned into a healthier housing market, supply has not been able to keep up with demand. Appraisals have struggled to keep up with rising prices, and lenders have overcorrected their loose lending practices. We track all this and more so you don't have to. HoustonRealEstateRadio.com What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. 
Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Sarah Shukhani. Our topic is challenges for family caregivers caring at home for family members. So now, Sarah, let's talk about the things that you would like to do and the things that you would like to see done to help improve the lives of family caregivers. So first of all, first question to you, what more would you like to do to help improve the lives of family caregivers? Sarah? Well, I would like to promote self-advocacy because I do believe that all family caregivers learned through their journey to become an advocate for the patient. And with a little bit of push and training, they can become a self-advocate and uh, try to find the resources and support that they deserve to have. The other thing is that I'd like to encourage local, local support groups for family caregivers. That I know that we should have national, provincial support groups, but the idea of local support groups to me is because I can share, if I have a support around me, I can share some of the responsibilities to, uh, with other family caregivers as well. And then we can have, for example, this non-for-profit organization or a government uh, organization that uh, will work as an umbrella for all of this local support group. And then we're going to have a, 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 a stronger voice. But like I said, I cannot help. I put together the support groups, uh, Family Caregivers Voice. There are two, three people talking about our feelings and talking about what happened uh, and whenever we need help, we reach out to each other. But I cannot help to think that how can I get this information that now I have as someone who's been doing research uh, on family caregivers' issue to others. How can uh, family caregivers are so busy taking care of the patients and working full-time job like me, and that they don't have time to attend to support groups, to the meetings that, to this structure that we uh, have now. So what can I do? How can I? This is my concern. Should I go step back, try to find a new way to get the information out to them? 
Now, well, that's probably something that we should discuss in an e- another episode of Family Caregivers Unite. Um, but I want to stay with the next question, which is, what more would you like to see done and by whom would you like to see it done to improve the lives of family caregivers? Sarah? Uh, first of all, by government, I would like to see stronger uh, policies in place for family caregivers. We, like, the Triple C, the Canadian Caregiver Coalition, and they work hard. Then and now we have family caregivers have five days off, and while taking care of patients uh, from from their job, but it's unpaid. Mm-hmm. And uh, the patient has to be in critical condition. So I'm happy that we have family caregivers somewhere in in the policy and in the law that we have, but it's not enough. It's not near to enough. Like uh, in 2008, 2009, uh, I think Minister of Health put together this report, Caring for Caregivers, and they uh, said that we need to financially uh, support family caregivers. So I don't see how this five unpaid business days off would help me financially. I would would love to see that uh, government um, put together uh, more policies and more support groups in place just for family caregivers. And let's not only focus on sharpening caregiving skills, but focus on uh, family caregivers' issues and feelings as well. The other thing is uh, hospitals, healthcare facility, and non-for-profits, they have this army of great volunteers. And when you go to hospitals, for example, uh, Princess Margaret Hospital, there are so many good volunteers helping cancer patients. Why not having volunteers on site, talking to family caregivers, helping them, telling them about the path that they are about to to take uh, to just like giving uh, giving them some hints telling them okay you're going to be so busy that you're not going to have time uh, to take care of yourself mentally or physically the best way to do it is to go to your family physician and ask him or her to uh, follow up on you to check on you every three four months. Um, do the same thing with your dentist. These are these are some really simple things that we can do with the help of volunteers that we already have, and uh, and I don't know, reach a meaningful change for family caregivers. Because it right. seems that in in hospitals currently. We do lots of for patients. We have lots of volunteers helping patients. We have social workers helping patients. But nobody tells me when I'm uh, when I'm in the room with the patient that Sarah, let's talk to you about um, your role. Are you the primary caregiver? Let's talk about it. What's right. going to happen to you? You're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel angry. Uh, you there are there are times that you need help and you should ask for it. Uh, volunteers. Thing, sorry, just summarizing back to you, Sarah. Volunteers helping family caregivers. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Yes. So we can train them to help family caregivers as well as patients. Exactly. Now, 
Sorry for interrupting you, but time's getting short because unfortunately we're coming to the end shortly of this superb episode. Mm -hmm. But I want to know, my last question to you is a little bit different. What's your message, your personal message for family caregivers, caring for family members, living at home with family members with serious illnesses? What's your message to them? Sarah? Uh, I want to tell them that please do share your story. And be loud and clear. Start to uh, self start this whole process of self advocacy. We are nine million in Canada. Imagine what we can do and what kind of changes we can make if we all share our stories and talk about our problems. We shouldn't be in silo. We should talk about our, our problems, what we want as family caregivers. And I know that we are blaming the system for many things, and I know I am aware that system doesn't reward us for being nice with patients or family caregivers or else. But who is the system? We are the system. We put together the system. It, like, Change comes from us. I do believe that we should uh, see a behavioral change before anything else. We need to decide that we are going to change. We need to go back to definition and say, okay, illness is not just a symptom. If we look at illness as this life-transforming process, automatically we're going to have family caregivers in the loop because I, as the wife of a cancer patient, am part of this life that is changing. In putting it back to you in a political way, family caregivers, I'm hearing you say, need to get organized to get their voices heard, to get their presence felt so that they get the help and respect that they deserve. That's right, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Yeah, nine right, well, million, nine four point million family caregivers. We can do so much. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I'm serious about this. I'd like to invite you to be my guest again to talk that, about that very point. But Absolutely. <laughs> we've run out of time. But, I, Sarah, what I'm going to say to you is please keep up the good work because – it really is good work, and it's really good for everyone, including the healthcare system. And I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comment, comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be family caregivers caring for pets in pain. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 